When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. Again, this is Mike Longacre from At Mike's Guitar Parlor in Hermosa Beach. You guys are listening to The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. Hook Rocks. Good evening to you. Good day. Good afternoon. Whenever you're listening, I'm Jay Scott. I'm your host. I'll be taking you on a journey over the next hour. So thank you again for tuning in. Once again, as I always say, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, a great network of music-related podcasts. We have all types, or they have all types, of great music podcasts, something for everyone. Uh, if you're into different tastes, not just rock and roll, there's you know, plenty of podcasts to choose from on Pantheon. Uh, I always mention the ones that have been on the show that I know, and that's Baco from Cobras and Fire, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie, Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast, the number one Kiss podcast, and Ron and Esty, Vinny Apice, Carmen Apice from the Hanging and Banging podcast. So check out all of them. Check out Pantheon Podcast at PantheonPodcast.com. Follow them on Twitter at Pantheon Pods, as well as Facebook. And don't forget to follow the Hook Rocks podcast, wherever you do podcasts. We're on every platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. You can find us. You can check out all the old episodes, the new episodes. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the new episodes right to your phone and uh, you can listen to music commentary our legacy interviews and our new music spotlights 
You can follow us on Twitter at the hook rocks, as well as Facebook. Check out some of our previous episodes over the last few weeks. We just did a great episode with Christine Eagle on concerts and where they're headed. I know we've had a lot of postponements here in the first couple of months. So hopefully that gets all sorted out here at some point in 2022. We talk about the revenue generated by Live Nation last year, the fourth quarter, which is only about six to seven weeks of touring, was huge for them, as well as how much revenue is available in live streaming. So check out that great conversation. We also did a new music spotlight with The Warning earlier this month, as well as our year-end 2021 album celebration, where we count down the top 30 albums with contributions from some of our listeners and a few others. We did six hours of reviewing 2021, and we discussed over 160 different albums. So everything from legacy artists to new emerging bands to unknowns, we cover it all. And we have a new new music spotlight to uh to have for you today and i'm really excited about it it's a band from the uk the band is scarlet rebels and they've got a new album coming out this friday and we're gonna have wayne doyle the lead singer to talk all about it what's going on man how are you hi jay how's it going dude how are you doing it's going man thank you very much for doing this i'm excited to have you guys on it's uh it's a big moment for you guys uh see-through blue is out this Friday, the 28th of January. And yeah. uh, the singles have been coming out over the last few months. Take You Home, I'm Alive These Days. Tremendous songs. Uh, looking forward to talking with you about the album and what all went into it. This is a follow-up to Show Your Colors from 2019. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, thanks for doing this. No, thanks for having me on. It's, um, it's really kind of you. I appreciate it massively. Thank you. So before we begin, we always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest on the show, and that is really what we're all about. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you? Um, it was, so <clears throat> I sort of grew up... Um, my dad used to have a lot of like music uh, on in the car, so rock music and stuff like Queen and, and that kind of thing. Um, but I think the biggest moment was I had an, an elder brother, and he, he first of all he brought like a bunch of Guns and Roses albums into the house, which kind of sort of pricked my ears up a bit and started to get the you know the juices flowing. But I think the the biggest thing was he came home with uh, Bon Jovi's Keep the Faith album. Um, and I know Bon Jovi get a lot of stick, whatever. But I think it, it, back then, they, for me at the time, they just they they struck that balance between you know big guitars and really uh, sing along choruses kind of thing. So yeah, that that's probably where it started, and then obviously it developed into into what it is, and you know the artists that I sort of follow now and stuff. So, but yeah, it, it was it was a mix of like Queen, Guns and Roses, and Bon Jovi. Um, just through other people sort of playing it through the house, you know? Um, yeah. It's such an overlooked album by Bon Jovi. Uh, Keep the Faith was after New Jersey. The big albums were New Jersey and Slippery One Wet. And Keep the Faith was kind of their first album where they were 
separating themselves from what was called the hair bands, the glam bands from that era. It was a lot more mature sound, uh, a little bit of a different direction. I mean, the title track is a great song. I'll sleep when I'm dead is a, is a fantastic song. Uh, I think the other one was, I believe was the, was the first track was, is that, yeah. That, that, yeah. That was what, that's what it was that, that just sucked me in. It was like just that, um, guitar riff and huge massive chorus and i was just like wow that's it's it just balanced because guns and roses i mean i think i was only like 12 or 13 or something like that when it came out perhaps even younger and like i love the 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 melodic guns and roses like don't cry in november rain and um sweet child of mine and that kind of thing but there was a lot which at, at the time was quite heavy for how you know the age that i was at so i think it was the bon jovi just struck the balance between Massive guitar solos, big sounding guitars, um, you know, big pounding drums, but that sort of almost um, slightly less edgy uh, vocal um, sort of uh, treatment, I guess. Um, but then, obviously, as I grew up, it kind of it all sort of expanded from there, anyway. But um, yeah, uh, those early Bon Jovi albums, I I, I don't really understand the. The snobbery about it, I, 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 it, it baffles me sometimes because it's like yeah. it's just it's just really good rock music. You know, I, I, I don't like their recent stuff at all. Um, but you know, the early stuff and then um, keep the faith in these days. I think are, are just brilliant at rock albums. But there we go. Yeah, yeah. I don't get the pushback from rock fans on Bon Jovi as well because number one, they're a great live performing act i mean seeing them in concert yeah. they're absolutely phenomenal their songwriting uh, when you think back of that period they i don't know i don't know if there's a band that wrote better songs during that time uh you know living on a prayer is known you know wanted dead or alive and you think in new jersey you know i'll be there for you or stick to your guns you know uh blood on blood you know, and then yeah, and you mentioned yeah, yeah. you know these days too as well. These days is probably my favorite album by them because yeah, it yeah, really too, yeah. showed their growth and evolution. Because you know they were really singing songs about different things than they were a few albums prior to that, and they weren't afraid to go down that road and do that. Yeah. But they're a phenomenal live actor, phenomenal musicians and songwriters. You know. I don't know, maybe because they're liked by too many women. I, I, I don't know. I, you know, yeah, but yeah. it's just a shame that, that people kind of thumb their nose at them because from that period, when you think of the bands that have maintained success, um, the only two, and I'm not talking, you know, about Metallica and the, and the heavy metal acts. I'm talking about the hard rock acts, but the only two that really came through that and maintained was Van Halen and Bon Jovi. Um, yeah, yeah. All the other ones had a lot of different problems, and and you know even you know Def Leppard went through a period where they were struggling, as did Motley Crue and and every band. But really, those two because of the music, the music was great all the way through, up until yeah, like you yeah. said, you know some of the stuff they've released lately. You know the last few albums, last handful of albums have been kind of formula, but they, they're a great band. I love that band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, I just think the the last few have been a bit um, bit safe. Without it's been a bit. They've gone from you know that I, for me that ideal. You know, you had the guitars, the piano, the, the the social aspect was all coming through the songs in these days, and then you know the Christian Sambora left, and it just kind of started to peter off towards 
I don't know, um, a yeah. different aspect. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of their recent stuff, but that period, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, I don't understand it, but um, there is seems to be a lot of snobbery around it. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. where did it go but from, from there? Yeah, where did it go from there for you? Um, you know, you got hooked on rock through Queen, GNR, and Bon Jovi. When did it become something that you wanted to do, perform? And being a band, yeah. So I, I, from that, you know, there, there was it was never a thing at the time. I was just like really loved listening to the rock music and, and that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah. So I, I, I like I I just came home from school one day and was just like said to my parents, I really like to learn to play the guitar. And um, I mean, I was coming home from school every day saying that I'd really like to have, you know a teenage wounded ninja turtle figure and this, that, and the other every single day pretty much. But then I came home and I just went, oh, I'd really like to play the guitar. Um, I think because my teacher in school had brought one to, in, into class or something. And then I came home from school the next day and there was a guitar there for me. And I was like, whoa, that's never happened before. Um, so obviously my parents were like, oh, that's quite a wholesome activity, like, you know, try and encourage it. So they just went out and got me like a cheap little acoustic nylon string guitar. And, um, so I started having lessons and, you know, you go to lessons and you start having, you know, I was getting taught things that I just weren't interested really, but I kind of could play, you know, chords and stuff. And then um, I kept good lessons until I was about 12 or 13 or whatever. And then just kind of sat in the corner gathering dust. But then just one day, um, a friend of mine just picked a, he had a guitar in his, in his house. We were just knocking around together on a Saturday afternoon and, I picked his guitar up and we started jamming together and then uh, we just formed a little band, really. And um, he was a much better guitarist than me, so I was like, well, I'll try singing. And it just went from there. I just started, you know, doing um, singing and I was could kind of hold a tune. And then um, I just decided that, you know, I'd rather be in a, in, a, in a band that would write songs themselves. So it just, it was like I discovered... Um, I don't know, a treasure trove of of um, something that just really interests me and um, interested me for a bit. And then just went from there. It was just really kind of not fell into it, but it just happened. And then this fire started burning inside me and, you know, about wanting to write music and to be in a band and to try and, you know, get the band to be as big as you know as successful and as do as many gigs as possible etc and it just went from there really it was just um you know the songs that you write to start with aren't very good but you just keep writing more and more and more and then eventually they they started to be become slightly better and um so yeah it was just very i don't know not i don't know not fell into it but it just so naturally happened i guess yeah when you think of bands that you saw in concert as you were, you know, starting off your journey in rock and roll, what were some of those bands that made an impact on you? Um, so Bon Jovi were one. Um, I, I've seen Bon Jovi quite a few times. Um, Bruce Springsteen. Um, so, I, I, you know, getting that, seeing that live show just changes your absolute thing on everything it was just I'd never been a massive Bruce Springsteen fan and I picked his greatest hits album up and um, just just randomly because I knew that Bon Jovi and, and all these other bands were always bands that I was interested in were always 
you know, Pearl Jam and stuff, always talking about Bruce Springsteen and you know, whatever. So I knew his grip, you know, his dancing in the dark and that kind of thing. But I, I think I was in HMB, you know, like a, a record store, and um, it was just his greatest hits was available at like four ninety nine or something. Uh, so like five pounds, so that would be about I don't know, well, that's probably five dollars now, isn't it, from for America? And um, I just picked it up, uh, and then I heard the song "The River," and I was like, "Wow, this is just just a, just a story and a song kind of thing." So then I started listening to it, and then I went to see him live as. What I would say was like a casual fan who had, uh, you know, uh, his greatest hits and knew his biggest songs, but not, you know, deep dived into everything. And it was just, it was just life changing in terms of how much of almost like a religious experience it was, you know. Um, it was just mind blowing. Um, you know, three and a half hours of just total and utter live experience just perfection and just it was just amazing and i just absolutely just clicked the switch in my head just like this is absolutely out of this world type of thing and uh yeah so i'm just literally every single date he ever did in the uk i i, I followed him around for years and then yeah so that was the one sort of lightning bolt i think with that with bruce springsteen yeah i saw an interview a few years ago with Tom Morello who toured with Springsteen. Yeah. Um, and he was talking about how he has to know. I, I forget what the na- number of songs that he had to know going on the tour, because there's no set set list. He just calls out songs or maybe there's a few songs that they know they're going to play, but then he'll just turn to the bands and he'll yell out a song and they got to know it which yeah, is yeah. pretty remarkable because a lot of bands, you know, have the same set list every night, you know, maybe there's a couple different variations, but to kind of have that organic feel to that live show uh, is something that is really impressive in today's day and age. It's incredible because you can just see like Max Weinberg, the drummer who is just craning his neck, following it, uh, Bruce Springsteen on the stage because he's waiting for his cue. And, and, and like you said, sometimes he's, you see Bruce Springsteen walking on the stage, barking orders at them to kind of say, I know the settler says whatever next, but we're actually going to do. So he kind of just wings it on the night by by taking the vibes off the crowd to think like, you know, is, you know perhaps that won't work. And that can be a pain, you know, when, you, when you're in a band and you're like, when we're gigging and stuff, you know, you've got a set list. And sometimes I'm like, I don't, you know, if things are going really well and it's like a good pace and good atmosphere, and then you've got on your set list something which will bring the atmosphere down. Sometimes it's best to just go, do you know what, we'll skip that, we'll leave that one out tonight and just carry on the, the upbeat songs just to keep that vibe going, no? Um, so, yeah, he just, but I mean, he just does it on a dime. And like you said, he, he goes and he gets cards and, you know, when uh, fans have got requests on and they just play these songs that perhaps they've not played in like 10, 15 years. And it's just just incredible to be a part of it's uh, honestly it's just I, I don't know um yeah just the whole band uh, they're just amazing and um yeah it was it's just you know it's just like to aspire to be that good you know it's just like it's incredible but yeah amazing when you speak about songwriting and you know beginning that journey because yeah you know there's the journey of 
musician and learning your instrument and then there's songwriting. Um, was there a song that you heard that connected with you that made you want to pursue that um, in terms of writing lyrics, writing songs that you know were personal to you or observations that you saw? What was that journey like for you? Yeah, so it, like I said, to start with, like to start with, I think from a songwriting point of view, well, I like I was always very. Um, sort of more concerned with the melody line as opposed to what you were saying, you know, so, and that melody line at all, it, it sort of just sort of ingrained itself in from like listening to Queen and uh, Bon Jovi and Guns N' Roses and those, you know, big anthemic choruses, you know, I, and I wasn't overly bothered about the fact, you know, about what the lyrics were saying. It didn't, it's not something that I ever really permeated my, um, permeated myself. For me to kind of go, oh, maybe I need to start taking a bit more notice of it. I was more concerned with the melody and just having a hook that stuck stuck in people's heads. Um, but then, like, and I, I guess it, when when you consider like that, I, it was almost like I wasn't actually taking myself seriously as a songwriter, more as a just a front man of a band who, who could perhaps come up with a decent melody. But then again, like I said, the river by Bruce Springsteen was the one that was the song that I listened to and I just went, you know, you've got this four and a half, five minute song of just, that just paints this absolute picture of, you know, you can see as that song has gone on, you can see it almost in your, in your mind's eye, you know, the, the story that he sings about through, through the whole, through the whole song. And I just thought like, just really powerful, just a really powerful moment for me as as a songwriter to just turn around, just to think in my own head, you know, you can do both, you know, you can have these big melodies and whatever, but actually, you know, if you've got the opportunity to say something, maybe that's, maybe that's the best way to do it. So I think from then I started to, and, and, and like delving deeper into artists like Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty and these, you know, absolute genius songwriters, Bob Dylan and, and all that kind of thing. It just, you know, the, just the lyric writing is a massive craft in itself. And yeah, so I just started to take it more seriously from that point. And, um, and then that is where all the sort of, you know, my lyric writing has become as important, if not more so than, you know, than the, than the, the melodies that, that, that sort of accompany it, accompany the song. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's funny how you sort of just get better, I guess, as you get older. Um, so, yeah. Do you find your writing to be more on a personal side, observation, um, something that you want, you know, a story that you want to tell? You know, where do you find the, you know, the motivation for writing, you know, on the majority of the songs? Yeah, so the majority of it is uh, is just observational and um, like a song like these days off the, off the new record is just an observation on, you know, what I was watching as we were going through the pandemic on, on a global scale, I guess. You know, it, it's just like a, a commentary on what I was viewing and what I was seeing and experiencing. Um, and then there's a song like uh, London Story on, on the record, which um, our guitarist Josh had laid the composition of the song down, so built the song up from start, and it didn't have any lyrics or melodies to it. So he'd listen, he'd uh, basically 
he'd put a working title for the song as a um, as a um, as a town that he was that he was living in when he was living in London. So I just kind of wrote this kind of seed got planted in my head about um, writing a song about two people who meet in a bus stop uh, in Hemel Hempstead, which is like about 40, 50 minutes outside of London. And then um, they fall in love and then the guy goes and has a night out and then ruins the relationship um, by having this night out in London. And um, so, yeah, I just, so I can either, I do a bit of both, you know, observational and things that have happened to me or things that I, you know, that I, that are, can be quite cathartic in terms of me sort of writing about it or just writing little stories that are, are just that really just stories about characters that I've imagined in my head almost you know so so yeah I think and again I think that that kind of comes from that um and nowhere near as good or as impressive but kind of comes from that sort of Bruce Springsteen um you know uh, kind of uh, influenced by writing about uh, writing a story into a song almost you know so um so yeah it's just anything that I can I just you know and even if it's like I'll, I'll hear like a saying or like read a headline or something that just flicks something in my mind that that might spark off different um ideas around what that might be will just you know turn into a song then you know so um it's quite uh, it's quite natural the way I do it I think it's just it's just what goes on in my mind pretty much but um so yeah it's different kind of different ways of doing it but um all as useful <laughs> how was this creative process during the pandemic i know you know there's two really differences with with some musicians some really didn't bother to do anything i shouldn't say bother i just say weren't inspired to do much because they were you know cooped up in their house and others were just still writing and using that as the outlet to kind of Forget about what's been what was happening out in in the world. Yeah, I, I, I for, for for us, I think it was it was uh, um, uh, well for me anyway as a songwriter and, and a lyric writer, it was a motivation. I think because uh, uh, you know, particularly in the UK, I think there's been things that have gone on over here that just you know aren't just aren't becoming of what you know leadership should look like and. Uh, you know, and just witnessing that and seeing news stories on it and reading articles on, you know, what was going on. People were dying and you had like um, MPs from, uh, so our our government were setting up companies, uh, you know, to basically feather their own nests by using the pandemic to do that, you know. And it just, just struck a really wrong chord with me. Um, so I used it as an outlet for you know, my anger, I guess. Um, and that's where the whole see-through blue came, thing came from. It was just a, um, just a, a bit of a, an angry reaction to what we were seeing. Um, so yeah, it, it, it helped us, um, hundred percent. Um, we didn't, yeah, we didn't just sit and just ignore everything and, and just kind of think that, you know, uh, we'll wait it out. We just actively tried to work. To try and take advantage of the situation when you know things were back to normal or as near as back to normal as we could be. So yeah. How was this process? I mean, obviously there were a lot of differences 
with the pandemic and being able to record the music, maybe mm-hmm. some stuff was done remotely or, you know, did you find that after writing the songs, there was a different connection with the music uh, than, than previous before on some of your, your uh, other stuff? Yeah, I think the, the difference was is that a lot of the songs that we did for Show Your Colours, um, we sort of worked on together um, in rehearsal rooms and we sort of had an idea of what the album was going to sound like. But obviously, uh, during the pandemic, we weren't allowed to be in the in a rehearsal room together. Uh, we weren't allowed to be in the same bubble and all that kind of thing for a long time. So what we did was when we booked the recording studio to start work, on the album, uh, I went in on the first day and I'd written about eight or nine songs, I think. Um, and I recorded the guides for those songs. And then the next day, uh, Chris, the guitarist, came in. He then recorded the guides to the three tracks that he'd written. So the, the, the Chris and Josh just contributed to the music. So they came in and they basically laid down the track of music that, that we were going to work on. So Chris was, I'm Alive, Take You Home. and Storm, and then Josh came in and did the music for um, London Story and uh, We're Going Nowhere, which is on the album. So then I hadn't heard those songs before, and pretty much we sort of uh, we had to work in the, like a demo of what it was, and then we just checked our drummer in, and he then recorded the drums after basically not hearing any of the songs before. And then the bass went on top and then the guitars and we just built it up from, from, you know, up from the bottom to the, to the top then without pretty much hearing what anybody uh, had come up with. We were sharing ideas and, you know, bits, tiny little bits and bobs and WhatsApp, but it's really hard, you know, it's really difficult to, you know, to convey your ideas back and forth. So in the end, I was just like, well, you just write the whole composition for the songs that you've got and then I'll do mine and then we'll just work on them from there. So, uh, yeah, that's the way we did it for this album, which was really interesting because, like like I said, I was using the working titles for uh, the boys of the pieces of music to then try and inform what the song lyrically and, um, you know, thematically were going to be around or about. Um, so it's a, it's a different way of working for me as well, which made it really interesting. Um, and it was kind of one of those that I was boxed in. So if one of the other boys had kind of gone, right, you've only, you know, I'm going to, this section is a verse and I was like oh I could do with an extra verse there or whatever to to sort to make the lyrics make more sense it was like well it's tough because that's all you've got so I had to make the lyrics fit you know into the um, the sort of sizes that we uh, the sort of the composition as it was so yeah it was a challenge and I I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed you know the, the way that we did it it was um, it was different and uh, yeah it was good it was really good so yeah how long ago was this album recorded I know a lot of bands and artists have been sitting on material for a while just trying to find the right time to to release yeah. it uh, so we finished it in December 2020 so over a year ago now well over a year well about 14 months ago um, and then we put the uh, the pre-order stuff out in June um, last year, so it's been a good six months. We've been um, we've had the a single drop in every every couple of couple of weeks or every eight nine weeks, whatever it is. 
up until the release, which is due on, uh, so it's Wednesday the 26th today, and it's out on the 28th, so not tomorrow, the day after. So yeah, it's been a long time coming. The funny thing is, is that the the lyrical themes of a lot of the songs are more relevant now, especially within the UK, than they were when we recorded them, because of all the stuff that's going on with, the, with our government and stuff at the moment. Everything that, that I'd written back then just seems to be even more relevant now. So, um, so yeah, it um, seems like a good time to drop. <laughs> How do you stay connected with music that has been finished and completed over a year? You know, because obviously it's a completely different situation all around the world because of what's happened. And you write this music and typically what a band does is, you know, write, record, finish it. You know, they you know, maybe sit on it for a couple months until, you know, the, the right release date. And then you go out and support it. You go out and tour it. That obviously, you know, you were unable to do that. I mean, maybe you did some shows, you know, a few shows, but, you know, and did some of the songs, but really in, not in support of the album because the album's not out yet. But you've got to maintain a connection to that music that you've written, that you've recorded. And sometimes that's a challenge, especially with how the world and the environment around us is evolving. How do you do that? How do you stay connected with, with material that you've written? Or does that song mean evolve with you, evolve with the time and become something different? Because that's really, you know, that, that can happen too with a song. Yeah, I think to be honest with you, what you what you're saying is right. I mean, in terms of you know the, how how old it is or how familiar I am with them now is um, you know for for a bit you just try not because I to start with you know we we'd finished the album and then we were like looking for a home for it to go to to, to you know to give it to give it to um, you know people uh, who are able to work with that you know would serve it best um so we did that for a little bit and then that was we managed to, to you know to put that in place and then through you know those discussions with uh with the label you know having the the, the chats about when's the best time to go out and then what the singles are going to be etc so it just it doesn't it just it's just been busy so like i said the minute that we um we finished it we were kind of looking for a home for it. And then when we found the home, there was a lot of other stuff going on and we were just constantly involved in those plans as we went. But like I said, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the themes and, uh, and that kind of thing, they just, it just, it's weird that the lyrical themes and the, uh, you know, the theme of the album as such just is, is more relevant now than it was when we, when we finished it. So, in terms of like you know me being over familiar with it, I think like for a good four or five months, I just stepped away from it and I didn't listen back to it. And after it was done, because like you say, it's always a long time before these things get put into place, especially with the with the amount of time pre-orders, you know, that bands use now in order to try and maximize those first week sales and stuff into um, any charts and that kind of thing. So it's always best, in my opinion, to just leave it for a bit so that when you do pick it back up in a few months or whatever, it's a little bit fresher than, than it would be uh, otherwise. But yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been exciting really because we've not had the chance to, to, to gig the new, uh, the, the new songs and stuff. Um, 
so yeah, we're all just excited about that now, about taking it out into the road and and playing, you know, the live versions of the tracks on the album as we've sort of interpreted them live and stuff. So, um, but I get what you're saying. It's, it's it can be it can be a slog to keep, you know, being. I mean, it's new for everybody else, but for us, it's like, you know, it's like fourteen, fifteen months old. But yeah, um, it's just nice now because we're getting reviews and getting people's opinions and stuff on it and um so yeah um it's just one of those things i think it's just as, as a band you just accept that that is what it is yeah what did you learn most about yourself you know creatively about the band you know during the recording of this album and you know the time after that like what what's been the biggest thing you've been able to take away from this because each album is in, is its own experience it's its own journey what was what was about this that you'll that you'll take with you uh just the 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 ability to to work under the pressure that we were under to do it we needed to deliver it by a certain time frame and um yeah so it was the quickest thing we've ever recorded it was the quickest i've ever written lyrics and stuff so that was one good thing i think um you know there was pressure on us to do it and we and we pulled it out the bag and um, but it's all, everything is always a learn, you know, every single, like you said, every single gig, every single recording session, every album or song that you work on is always the opportunity to learn and to get better. Um, and I think I, I, it's just, yeah, it's just the whole thing is a, is a learning curve. Um, and then obviously working with some of the people that we've been working with recently in terms of the release and stuff. Uh, and that's all been a massive learning curve as well. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's just one of those, you know. It's it's just like I said, it's just constant, constant learning, constant trying, trying to grow and trying to get better at what we do. Um, but yeah, I think that the fact that we did it in in what I would in you know that we've come out of a time a pretty crappy time in the pandemic and having you know and documenting um, a piece of work which can reflect and hark back on this period that we've been through um, and having done that literally in the middle of it and finishing it, it in the middle of it as well. So yeah, it, um, it just, I think it just captures a piece of time nicely as well. So all those kind of things really, it's, it's all, it's all good stuff and stuff that hopefully we can use to move forward. Now that you're on the eve of this album being released. Yeah how do you feel like, like it's gotta be a relief. It's gotta be excitement. You know, there's gotta be some nervousness, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but really it, it's all been delayed. Right. I mean, it's, you know, you mentioned, you know, the end of 2020 and we've gone through a full calendar year. We're into 2022. I mean, there's the anticipation. What's that like now to finally see this material that you guys created, finally able to, to penetrate the ears of, of rock fans. Yeah, so it's it's hugely exciting. Um, like I said, you know, I think it's been knocking around for the past month in terms of people reviewing it and 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 that kind of thing. So, you know, just to read the first review, I was like a little bit, you know, apprehensive. What's it going to be like? Are people going to prefer it to uh, show you colours and all this kind of thing? So, but yeah, it's it, it's 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 a list of oh, it's it's everything that you've mentioned. It's excitement really excited to get it out to hear what people think of it there's stress involved because obviously you know we're 
looking to hit certain numbers and have we hit certain numbers in terms of sales and as all that kind of thing. And then you've got the the PR and promo work that has got to be done and then the you know the social media posts and everything. So it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. I've not slept properly for for a good few more well, months now, but particularly the last month has been it's been tough uh, mentally and physically because there's so much stuff to be done. Um so obviously it's out on Friday and then we've got a few sort of in-store appearances around the country next week. Um, so yeah, so next week is going to be even busier. And then once that's all just, uh, out the way, then we can just sit back and just um, reflect on it, I think. But I'm, I, the, the main thing is excitement. Um, but yeah, you know, there's all sorts of emotions, you know, tinged in there as well. So um but yeah, we are, we're we're massively excited to get out there to see what people make of it. Yeah, how is it for you guys? You know, when you record an album like this, and it's you know about to come out, and obviously, one of the things that emerging bands do, emerging artists, is they really have to work social media. You know, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, whatever platform that. You guys, you know, some have a heavy presence on one and maybe not so much on some of the others. Yeah. You know, when you started out as a musician and had that that vision in your in your head of what you wanted to accomplish, uh, the last thing you guys ever thought was how to be social media savvy, you know, because yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, 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 you have a creative mind and you're and you want to create and you want to write and you want to do music. And now all of a sudden you've got to figure out how to connect with a, you know, and grow your fan base through all these platforms. What's that like for you guys? I mean, you know, for the legacy artists don't really have to worry about that, right? The maidens of the world, the Def Leppards of the world, they don't have to worry about connecting with fans on social media because they're going to, they're going to do what they do regardless. Whereas a new yeah, band, yeah, yeah. that's really the name of the game now. Yeah, it, it it is. It's so it's so important, you know. It's if and it is. It's a job in itself, you know. It is an actual role in itself to be on top of it. Um, I think it's it, it's it's you know it's it's got absolutely huge plus points and you know a few negative points. Um. And it is, it is, it's tough. It's tough going to keep on top of everything and, and, and to make sure that everybody that is interacting with you and is commenting and is, you know, that you interact back. Um, like, for instance, we had um, some, uh, like a comment from a gentleman on our Facebook page about, um, so we put a video up and a lot of people commented on it and we were going and commenting back saying, thank you, blah, 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 blah. And then this, this guy had put like a comment on it, like, half past three, quarter of four in the morning, commenting on something. And then about half past, like an hour later, he was commenting, oh, everybody else has had a response, but you've not respond, responded back to me type of thing. And I was like, it's because we were asleep. <laughs> we were in bed, you know, <laughs> our phones and stuff were away. So, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's hard, it is. And I think like, even if you take, sometimes it's like six or seven hours out, you know, so you just have a bit of a break from it. You, you can miss so much stuff that's gone on that you've not so it's hard to keep on top of but it's really nice to be able to interact with people that you know that are interested in what you're doing and support what you do you know 
so that it's really nice to have that one to one that that kind of um, to make it feel as if it's you know it's not just us releasing an album as such. You know, there's people who are all behind it. So it's like a, a it's it's like um an overall overarching kind of thing. You know, it what you know people who are into the band and and, and other bands as well. They almost make it their own. It's you know it's as important to them that we do well as it is to us, which is which is mind blowing and it's lovely. But I, I, you know, and that interaction is something that you'll never get tired of. And you know, having you know those uh, people commenting and saying nice things, it does keep that fire burning and keeps you know fueling the tank. But it's it is hard work, you know. It, it is, and it you know you have to do it. Um, like you said, you know, we're not in the position that we can afford to pay somebody to do our social media for us so we do it ourselves um and we do it across uh you know twitter facebook uh, instagram tiktok youtube so it's a lot to keep on top of but you know it's one of those things it's um it's, it's got to be done so um yeah it's like i said there's massive pluses to it few minuses because obviously you get trolls as well uh which is always nice it can be fun to deal with them and then other times it's like I can't be bothered to do this now, so I'll just delete it as opposed to have a bit of back and forth with people. But um, but yeah, it's it's just it's a necessary now. It's an absolute necessary if you aren't on social media, and um, you know, I, yeah, it's you're not going to get very far now. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. As far as 2022 goes, are there any set plans in place for the coming year for Scarlet Rebels? Yeah, so we've got a tour. Uh, so obviously the album is on Friday, and then so we're doing a few in stores and sign-ins and meet and greet things um, over the next few days. Uh, that's going to be all over the country. So um, so that's going to be cool. It's going to be nice. Um, and then we've got a tour um, that is going from uh, the beginning of March pretty much into May, and then we're in summer festival season. Then so we've got some really cool festivals lined up. Um, that'll take us into like September and then we've got some other dates uh, uh, taking us into the, the back end of this year so then hopefully you know we'll just keep adding live dates for the rest of this year so that we can get out and about and push the, the album as much as we can and then I'm assuming or then not even I'm assuming but then come the end of this year going into next year we'll start looking at uh, recording uh, the follow-up to this one. So, so uh, yeah, start working that. So, yeah, it's all it's all busy. It's all it's all lovely things that we, really cool things that we've got in plans in place. And, um, uh, yeah, so it's just basically trying to keep keep on with what we're doing at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Wayne, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, looking forward to the new album coming out Friday, the 28th. Looking forward to seeing you guys succeed with it because it's, uh, you know, it's really good material. It's really good music. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. That's really kind of you. You've been listening to the Hook Rocks New Music Spotlight with Wayne Doyle from Scarlet Rebels. I'm Jay Scott. Thanks again for listening. Take care of each other. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Sitting down with an eye.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 